Let us then uh, join together in prayer. Our God and our Father, we have sung of you as the God of wonders beyond our galaxy. And at the same time, we have asked you, precious Father, to reveal yourself to us. Lord, we can approach the reading and hearing of the word of God as just another mundane exercise But we pray that your Holy Spirit will prod our hearts, that your word will flame with your majesty, that the sense of your presence with us will overwhelm us. We know, Father God, that no person can hear your word and remain the same. We are either drawn to you like moths to a flame Oh, Lord, we harden our hearts and turn away from you. And that little by little turning away is such a dangerous thing. It's like the formation of a stalactite right through our hearts. And so we ask you to make us sensitive this morning that the word of God may impact us fully and completely and your glory may blaze in an ordinary bush such as my life happens to be, but that it will blaze with your glory and this Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as it is recorded for us in the book of Exodus. You can follow along in your own Bible or the scripture is printed up or you may want to follow along on the screen. Now Moses was attending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians And to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. 
the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. May God give us understanding of his word this morning. We have some children in the congregation this morning, and that's lovely to see you. I'm sure every one of you have had your parents say to you at some stage or another, don't interrupt me. We all hate being interrupted, don't we? You're busy focusing on something and somebody barges in and not only interrupt your train of thought but actually annoy you considerably. But have you ever thought that there are some times when it's good to be interrupted? If someone is having a nightmare and they are screeching in their sleep and twisting and so on, it's a good thing to wake them up and say, you're only dreaming. Here is Moses having his life interrupted in a very radical way. Uh, Moses was reconciled and probably content with his life. He had been raised as an Egyptian. He had been promoted to a place of high honor. He was probably the most powerful man in the world. I think Pharaoh was enjoying his life and handed everything over to Moses to run. And then he committed that atrocity of murder and fled for his life. And now he's been for 40 years, according to the book of Acts, he's been tending sheep. And I suppose you can get used to that. And maybe in the beginning it was a little bit hard for him to reconcile his life from what he had been in terms of power and influence and wealth and luxury. And now he's been herding sheep and gradually got used to it and... I should imagine that uh, possibly 
there are pleasures in tending sheep. It's a peaceful life. <laughs> Worst thing you can have is some sheep bleeding at you and being a bit stubborn. But now all of a sudden this tranquil life is interrupted. There's a sign apparently in Alaska which says, Choose your rut carefully. You'll be in it for the next 250 miles. <laughs> and Moses was assigned the rut and he'd been in it for the 250 miles. And God was about to shake him loose. And you want to think about his age? I'm not sure what, how old he was when he left Egypt. Let's assume he was somewhere around about 30 or 35. He's been in the wilderness for 40 years. So this is a 75-year-old man who is having his life interrupted. And God has this irritating habit of interrupting our lives. I don't know whether you thought this morning as you came to church and as you took your seat, God is going to interrupt me today. Because all our worship services actually are God stepping into our lives in a different way. It's just that like Moses, we get so used to it that uh, after years in the practice, it doesn't really impact us. But this morning God is saying, step aside a moment. And for Moses it was the bush that was burning and yet was not consumed. And so God very particularly manifests himself. And Moses finds his life being changed. And what does God interrupt our lives for? Well, for Moses it's this impossibility. And Moses is very happy for God to outline the future for him. I have it in my heart to deliver my people. I've seen their slavery and I'm going to bring them out of Egypt. And I can imagine Moses enthusiastically saying an amen. Amen God, go for it. And now comes the difficult part. So I want you to go to Pharaoh. Who? Me? You must be joking, God. I'm 75 years old. I'm dreaming of sunset retirement complex. <laughs> the Egyptians, Lord, in case you hadn't noticed, they despots who rule the world. I'm still a wanted murderer there. Who knows what records there could be. I mean, if Billy the Kid is being considered for uh, pardoning. And the Israelites, God, there are two to five million of them. And they've got a slave mentality. And you want me to do what? A wilderness. Food, shelter, clothing, water, government. God asks the impossible. 
And he's asking, in a sense, the impossible of every one of us here in this room this morning. Maybe not on the same scale of the delivery of an actual nation from the power of Egypt and of Pharaoh. But he wants every person in this room to represent him as the book that our world will read. For me, that immediately raises the same sort of concerns. Who? Me? My heart? God? You know the darkness there. You know how easily I turn from you. You know how stubborn I am. And he says, well, that's not all. But I want you to be the husband that the Bible says you ought to be. And I want you to be the parent that the Bible asks. I want you to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And all of us have our hackles rising. You don't need to interrupt me for that because it's impossible. I cannot possibly do that. And so he beckons men to be men of integrity that demonstrate the strange value of integrity in our world, which seems to know nothing about it. He calls every woman to be a woman of character that puts God's values above personal comfort. And he calls every child to seek his will and go into the future of the rest of their lives in step with him. And we are tend to say to God, go pick on someone else. Just leave me alone. And we have a choice this morning. The choice is that uh, we can be like the kernel of wheat that the call to worship referred us to. The kernel of wheat which has got the choice of falling into the ground and dying. And finding through that death a new identity as it grows from a kernel into a stalk and into a fruit-bearing sheaf of wheat. Or it can cling to its identity, get left on the shelf, have the dust of the decade settle on it and itself become dust with nothing to show. And that is the way that lies ahead for us at this moment. And so when God calls us into a new future, he calls us into a new identity. He calls us into something that is possible. Because what God does is he provides for the impossible. And he does this in an amazing way. For Moses, he sees this curious sight of a bush that is on fire, but the bush itself is left untouched. God manifests his glory right there in the wilderness to Moses. And Moses, as he hears the assignment that is given to him and shrinks from it, his thoughts must be, how can this possibly happen? And God takes his attention from the impossibility of the task and focuses it 
on the glory of his being. It's hard to expound what this image actually means. A bush that burns and yet is not consumed. The glory of God in such a way that he could actually vaporize the entire earth, let alone the bush, and yet the bush continues in its existence and the glory of God engulfs it and embraces it. And I should imagine it was shimmering with light in ways that Moses had never seen before. What could it mean, the bush burning and yet not consumed? It's a phrase richer than any line of poetry you've ever heard. And what came to my mind was uh, the line from Shakespeare when he says, Thou art more fair than a summer's day. That invites you to bring your whole knowledge and experience of summer. It invites you to go into a summer's day that's been perfect for you and to compare your beloved to that day. Thou art more lovely and more temperate, says Shakespeare. And when you've done all of that, you still have not explored the full meaning of the loveliness of your partner because you are bringing just an image of, of a line of poetry that expresses a reality beyond what you have known. And here we have a phrase that is even richer than that when God reveals himself in this bush and it does not consume the bush. And I thought of how wonderfully and fearfully we are made in terms of thinking of the glory of God. Let me tell you of my grandchildren. My, my grandson Jeffrey turns 14 and 10 years ago he was diagnosed with retina pigmentosa. Which means he would go progressively blind and be blind by late teens or late 20s at the latest. Uh, two years later he's... Littlest brother Luke was diagnosed with exactly the same thing. And so we have two grandchildren uh, in our family who have this sentence of blindness progressing within their bodies. They've been up to uh, some research, medical research project in Iowa City, and they've been working on the genetics behind this. And two or maybe three weeks ago now, they went for their latest checkup and the doctor said, in the light of the progression of our knowledge of these things, we can say to you categorically, your children fall just outside that sector which we call retina pigmentosa. So they will not be going blind. And then he said, what's more is with our knowledge of stem cell and of genetics, we are able to take skin and extract the stem cells and over a process of time convert them into photoreceptor cells which we'll inject into the retina and their eyesight will become normal. 
Well, everybody's saying, it's a miracle. But actually, the miracle is not that they're getting their sight back. Because they were misdiagnosed in the first place due to ignorance. The miracle is the glory of God in the creation. That's where the brilliance is seen, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we can say our universe is fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, and you'll enjoy this. My grandson, Jeffrey, he's got such a great sense of humor. He says to the doctor, I suppose CRB1, which is what this research is called, stands for some fancy Latin technical stuff. And the doctor says, it actually stands for the family of fruit flies that we are using in our research. (laughs) You see, fruit flies procreate every second day. And so in one month, you can get 15 generations of fruit flies for your research. To do that in a human being would take 300 years. So what are we saying? We are saying that our world flames with the glory of God, but we are totally unaware of it. His brilliance is all around us. And there come those times when he breaks through and he reveals to us the marvels of who he is. And he captivates us. And he says, I've got a different future for you. It sounds impossible, but... Moses, this is what I will do for you. I will go with you. I am. That is my name. I have always been and I, I have always been. And nothing about me will ever change. And so it seems that God does provide not seem so it is that God does provide for the impossible so let me ask you then this morning what rut have you been trapped in what wilderness have you been tending sheep in you had high expectations for some aspect of your life and it's been arrested and put on hold and you've got used to being in the wilderness And you're comfortable there. It's actually rather nice to be settled and content and not plagued by this need, this driving force. It may be that your marriage has reached just a deadpan place. It may be in your career where you've given up and said this is how it will be for the rest of my life I don't know what wilderness you're in but let me make sure that I apply it to every one of us in this way that you dear friend wherever you are sitting in this congregation if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior he has made you into a king and a priest in his kingdom That means that he has made you in your coming to know him as someone who must rule in your area of responsibility as a person of grace. To represent him there. 
And he has made you a priest, every one of us. He has given us a ministry. Some way to serve within his kingdom. Some way to be used by him in ways we had never thought or imagined. And the devil has arrested you. And you've forgotten that your life has got the significance and deep purpose. And now God has come to you and said, I am. I am the glorious one. I am the one who takes an ordinary common bush and embraces it with my glory. And it will not be consumed, but it will reflect my majesty. What sort of church should Green Tree be? It should be a church where everybody is aware of the majesty of God and the fact that he calls you into a newness of life. So here we stand on the threshold of 2011 and God is calling you to something magnificent. He's calling Green Tree into a, a greater future than it could ever have imagined. Not in terms of success like having a campus all of a sudden. Don't let that be a distraction to us. It will just help us do our ministry better if God should provide for us to, to occupy that campus. But what is your passion? What has your experience been? What hardships have you had? God is saying, step up. Let's use all of that. You have a ministry. And so I would ask you Sunday by Sunday to not just look at this and then fling it aside, but go through it and say, here's what the cares ministry is doing. Is some of my passion here? Can I step up into ministry in the cares ministry? Or here's the children's ministry. And from time to time you will see things advertised here. Will you not say, is this my passion? And it's going to interrupt your life. Of course it is. To do ministry is an interruption because you're going to stop having to watch so much TV for one thing. Big sacrifice. Sorry to tell you about that. But you will have to get off the couch and maybe do training and, and get involved. And as you read this through, you are not reading this through for yourself. The CARES ministry is God's umbrella over the entire Kirkwood community. And so you are saying, here's divorce care running. My neighbor's been through divorce. I'm aware of their pain and hurt. Can I go to them and say, we've got a group that addresses the pain of divorce. And the same with grief share and honoring your parent and our budgeting workshop. It's not just for you, it's for the community. And... The thrilling thing is that divorce care has brought new leaders into our church. In the last grief share rotation, not one person from Green Tree was there, but there were six rank outsiders in the group. And that's as it should be. For the bush burns, doesn't consume the bush, 
but its radiance reaches to the horizon. And so I hold open to you God's presence for the places in your life where you are stuck. I hold open to you God's presence to a ministry as a priest and as a king and of a new year that will be unlike any that you have ever had before because the presence of God goes with you. Let us all pray together.